Good evening everybody, we are recording this one day early and uh, this is the 131st session of our Q&A. It will be a shorter session than usual, maybe an hour long and then uh, when it is broadcast tomorrow, when you actually see it, right after that you will be having our live worship too. The worship team practicing for Sunday and we will have live worship in a short time of word and from another location. So this evening, we welcome you all in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And before we start, once again, let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. By faith, we come to you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Boldly, without mm. fear. By the new and that living way that you have made for us, to the blood of your precious Son. Mm. We plead for mercy, 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 Lord. Mercy, mercy, Father. You're a God of mercy, of long-suffering, of kindness and love. But for your mercy, Lord, we would be consumed. Have mercy on your people mm. everywhere. Have mercy, Lord. Truly, Father, your believing church is isolated. All the forces of the enemy have been released against them. But if God is for us, mm. who can be against us? Amen. Yes. We stand on your promise. Nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So this evening, we just want to thank you once again. Give us the wisdom to answer these questions. These questions are not from ordinary people. These questions are from people who are facing the test of the times, of the backs against the wall, the system against them, but they're standing there for the testimony of Christ Jesus. And I pray you would encourage them and comfort them through the word, Lord. The answers, I pray, will be true to your word and to your spirit. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Pastor, we'll start with question number three. It's got two parts. Two, two part question. Pastor. So, um, it says, we are so familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Why is that? Would you say that most of us rattle it out and don't really understand the depth of it? For instance, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We still struggle to trust God for our meals, struggle to forgive each other. This is a powerful prayer that Jesus taught us. Yes, we are so familiar with this prayer. Can you give us your wisdom on it as a shepherd? Okay. Now when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, probably the most familiar prayer in Christendom. Now the thing is that when you... This is what got to do with religion, because in religion, any religion, there are prayers. Whether you are a Christian or a Catholic or a Hindu or a Muslim, what happens? You just learn it by heart, by rote, and you just repeat it. Hmm. But in the Bible, there are no such prayers. Yes. There are no such prayers. Because uh, prayer, if you put it in its simplest form, is basically talking to God. Yes. Okay. 
whatever your needs are, whatever your concerns are. Basically, it is conversing with God. Mm. And think about it. A child who comes to his father does not speak the same way every day. He does not converse the same yes. way. If he does, then it would be like very strange. It will sound very odd. Mm-hmm. So the prayer which Jesus gave is not so much as a prayer more than it is a format. Oh, it's a format. He says, this is how you should, uh, basically what would you say? These are what you call it in modern day language. No, you have these bullet points. Mm. Okay. It's basically like that. But he introduces, that's why I said it's a conversation between a child and his or her father. Because mm. that's how he begins. And he begins by saying, our father who art in heaven. Okay. So it's centering around the father. Okay. And also we need to realize is this, when it comes to this prayer, this prayer can be understood only for those who are truly born again. Yeah. Those who are the children of God. For, for those who are on the religious side of Christianity, this is a prayer which they learn by heart and mm-hmm. they mutter. But for those who are born again on this side, we understand how we approach what is important for God. What is important for God. Like, you know, uh, <coughs> we, we know one that there are all kinds of people in the world we may address by name. Mm. Yes. From the president onwards in a democracy. Mister, you may say. But there's two people you will never address by name. That's your father and your mother. Mm. I know it's a no-no in almost any culture. You never address them by name. Yep, yep. Okay, You with call respect. them mm. with respect. You call them dad, mom. You never, I mean, I wouldn't have dared to call my father or my mother by their name. It is never. Okay, so that's how it is addressed. Our father who art in heaven. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a address of respect and also endearment. Yes. And then it talks about his name and about his kingdom and about his will. Then if you go back to the question, okay, if you go back to the question, The first part, if we go back to the question, okay, uh, we struggle, we struggle, like I said, that, that's what I said, this prayer is not a, though, and also what has happened is from all of us who grew up with the Christian background, this became a corporate prayer, mm. and this is not a corporate prayer, yeah. though <laughs> it can be prayed corporately, this is an individual prayer, only individuals can pray this, okay, because when you are talking about uh, give us this day our daily bread. It cannot be a corporate. It is based on the faith of an the individual. individual. Yes. It is based mm-hmm. on the faith of an individual. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at the incident in, uh, in the book of Kings, uh, we don't have to go there, but when, uh, famine hits Samaria, um, Israel, what happens is Elijah does not face famine. Yes. Elijah does not face famine. And the reason he does not face famine, he alone does not face famine, and maybe you can say the hundred prophets too, and he has actually, he, he doesn't struggle through the famine at all, is because he is right there in the center of God's will. Mm. Okay. And that is the whole key, when we are in the center of God's will, 
Okay. Then God is absolutely 100% responsible for taking care of us. Mm. Okay. We are only called to obey implicitly what he has told us and leave the results to him. Amen. Leave the results to him. Mm. And that's when, when, even when we say, see, if you go to the prayer, the prayer goes like this, no, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that is the format. Mm. Your name, your kingdom, your will. Mm. Then when we come to daily bread, it follows this. So the presumption is you are in the center of God's will. You are very concerned about God's name. name. And you are seeking his kingdom. Not the kingdom in this world, but his kingdom to come. Then it does not. That's another person in the new covenant is Apostle Paul. He is somebody absolutely online with this precept. And you will see, it does not matter where he goes. God is taking care of him. Taking care of him. Whether he's in prison or whether he's free, you will see he cannot be killed before his time. And that's why he is able to say from the prison, my God shall supply all your needs. And absolutely conscious. Another person is Joseph. Joseph is in the center of God's will. Mm. And you will realize that. It is, this is what we need to understand. When you are in the center of God's will and you, you are very gung-ho about his name and about his kingdom. There are no accidents in your life. There are no accidents in your life. Even the incidents that look like accidents have been orchestrated by God. Mm. Your brothers may sell you, but scripture will have another take on it by saying, God sent a man. There may be famine in the land, but God sent the famine. Mm. Everything is orchestrated by God in a person who is in the will of God. And that is where this thing comes. Hallelujah. Mm. And this has basically been personally my concern with our church and our churches is that you see, each one has to find your slot in God's kingdom. There's a general will of God for everybody. That's common. Okay, This is the will of God, your sanctification. That is the general will of God. But if you do not personally find your own slot in God's kingdom, your personal specific will, the problem is we will struggle with our daily bread, which oh. is our provision. Which is our provision. Mm. It is my God shall supply all my need, mm. not my God shall supply all my greed. Mm. All my greed. Okay? And we, we, we know that fundamentally within our own homes. When our children go to school, there are fundamental things we ask of them. See, I'm sending you, I'm giving you the best I can afford, but one thing I expect from you. One, don't get into trouble. Two, it should, your, it should show, your effort should show in your academics. Yes, Two things I expect from you. Don't do this. And do this. And if you do this too, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. Mm. All the things, what to eat, what to drink, that's not your concern. That's my concern. Mm. Your concern is this. Don't do this. Do this. Okay. And God as a father also saying the same thing. Don't do this and do this. But if you don't do this and do this, then to supply your daily bread is my concern, not your concern. It will come. It will come. <laughs> 
because we people really really need to get this because we are living in extremely difficult, difficult times. times difficult times meaning in the times where it's like the stage is being set unless god does something spectacular and sets a reset the stage is slowly being set for the antichrist to come in okay antichrist to come in or his regime they are setting setting the laying the groundwork the framework is being set you need to understand when the antichrist comes the only ones uh, that will really really uh, have uh, sorry uh, will have trouble is the only ones that will have trouble are the believers the others are not going to don't take a mark take the mark who has an issue the believers only the ones who know you cannot buy yourself if you do all these issues are like you know it is always intimidation 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 no and you will see in this country i mean as a citizen i dislike that intensely like uh, we are having our 75th uh, independence day and it's a big day for the country and i love my country but when they start making statements like if you don't hang the flag in your house then you don't belong kind of stuff they're already making statements like that they will be watching out for all the houses where it is not being hung and all okay not in our state but in other states they are you know, marking out people and uh, that's coercion so you will see on this this constant thing is there like ben bow or burn kind of no that it's being set conform 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 no but we are not supposed to be that we are supposed to be a free democracy okay out of their own joy mm. and this thing no people should be putting like uh, patriotism and love for the country is not somebody's uh, in custody mm. it is for everybody yeah. okay everybody like you may have five children mm. five children may not love the parent the same way mm. but they all love their parent love their parent okay you cannot say only if you love the parent this way then your love is genuine but children are different and the parents know how to receive each one's each one's love okay so you see it's all being said the tax laws the like now in US they are hiring around i don't know i forgot the number 67 or 80000 new irs officers they are hiring irs officer for what what are you hiring all these people for should be hiring um, people for the homeland security to secure your border no. instead you are hiring irs officers to go after your own people who are not really making money to go after everybody and leaving your borders open so everywhere you see the coercion coming including so the question is when these things happen one primary place where every human being is going to be touched is of hunger provision mm. of provision so of provision and provision is a very personal thing in the sense like if you're in a bachelor it's your own if you're a father you're responsible for your family yeah. so as a family you have to you have the father has to know god 
has to hear from God. Okay, even churches are not guarantees because things can happen. A shepherd can be hit and the church sheep scattered. Okay, a great persecution arose in Jerusalem and the whole church was scattered. They were there for a season. Everybody lived together. They had enough to live. They worked out. But after that, when persecution came, they all scattered. But when they scattered, each one went with faith. Mm. They had learned by then to have a person. That's where the whole prayer is about. The whole prayer is basically teaching us the, the, the thrust of that prayer is each one needs to have a very personal relationship, personal, one-on-one personal relationship with God. So that's what he's talking about. And then what are the, what are the, basically what you call, what are the, what are the issues that come with that? What are the issues that come with it? In my relationship with God, what are the, what are, what is the only rela- issue? The issue is sin. Mm. The issue is sin. And we need to realize, primarily sin is interpersonal. Yes. It's interpersonal. Okay. Because you have been rescued from the penalty of sin. Now you have to be delivered from the power of sin. Yeah. And the, the greatest power that sin has over us is unforgiveness. Forgiveness. It is, it's not, see, I could do something to Pastor Vijay, okay, but if I say I am sorry and he forgives, it's gone, mm. it's out of the issue, okay, it is, it's out of the, out of the window, it's gone, it's no longer there, but when that does not happen, that is when it becomes, I mean, it's not what I primarily did to him, which I should not have done, but it's already done, okay, the damage has been done, the question is, now how do you fix it? Mm. How do you fix it? Okay. So when you are not willing to fix it, it causes a relationship between you and your father. That's what God is talking about. See, it's easier to deal with your sins against God <laughs> because he's merciful, he's loving, kind, than to deal with your sins with your brother. Yes, yes. So God does, God is not saying, uh, if you don't repent of your sin, I will not forgive you. He says, no, I know you will come and I will forgive you. But if you do not forgive your brother, I will not forgive you. I will not forgive you. Okay. So it is not so much the vertical that is so difficult. It is sometimes so difficult is the horizontal. The horizontal. And that's where it comes. Okay. Let's have a question there. Okay? Question three. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need the Lord's Prayer. We all know that by heart. Okay. So, we struggle with forgiveness. We struggle with forgiveness. And uh, let me tell you again, if you read through the passages on forgiveness, there's something which God tells. He says, if your brother sins against you, say, they say seven times, how many times? God has 70 times seven. He comes back and says, sorry, how many? So basically God is putting this across. If my brother sins against me and comes to me and asks for forgiveness, I am to forgive him. I am to forgive him. Okay. The other flip side of the coin is that even if he doesn't come to ask for forgiveness, I still have to forgive mm. him. Yes. Yes. The difference is mm. when he doesn't come to me, when I forgive him, I am free. Mm. But he's not free. Yes. But when he comes to me, he's released. He's released. Mm. So don't take that and run with it. Oh, he hasn't come to me yet, so I don't have to forgive him. <laughs> no, that's not what it means. Mm. That's not what it means. It does.
that's not what it means. Meaning from your heart you forgive. That's what even you, when you're yeah, standing up to yeah, pray, says first forgive. Forgive, mm-hmm. no, let go, no, let mm-hmm. forgive. So these things are meant primarily, see, people don't, uh, what you say, major on these things because for them, when they don't major on these things, for them, a relationship with God is not so important. Wow. Mm. That is the key. Because remember, wow. everything is related to your relationship with wow. God. Okay. And one, you are not dependent upon God if you're part of the big system. You're not dependent upon God for your daily bread. Daily bread. Okay. But if you look in the context of which when it is being written, okay, like let us say you are in Afghanistan or you are in China. You are part of that persecuted minority, that church over there. And uh, government is watching you. You love hand to mouth. You need God to miraculously provide you every day, every week. Then you know what? You'll be very quick to forgive. <laughs> be very quick to forgive. Okay. When famine hit and the boy ended up in the pig pen, all his issues his father was resolved immediately. <laughs> Not even one single video. Not a single <laughs> issue he has with his father or his father's home or the rules. He had no issues. He says, I agree, this is who I am. I have sinned against God and I have sinned against you. I am not worthy to be called a son. Please take me as a hired servant. What was the reason? It's famine. Mm-hmm. It is famine. Famine hit. And God says, you don't have to go there. Mm. You don't have to go there. I will take care of you. That's mm. my promise. I will meet your need. You won't die of hunger. Mm. I'll meet your need. It does not mean that he will give you too much also. Hmm. Okay? Because this is, this is something fundamental. <clears throat> if you understand God's will, know God's will for your life, and you're perceiving God's will, everything for God's will for your life is provided. Otherwise, it's not God's will. It's provided. Hmm. You will not have to struggle for it. It will come. It will come. Mm-hmm. It is God's will for it. It was God's will for them, them to come out of Egypt into the wilderness and from the wilderness into the promised land. But it was his will they should be in the wilderness. So that first part of his will they fulfilled. Second part they didn't. But because they were actually in the wilderness by the will of God, they were taken care of. And second generation enters in the promised land by, by the, the will, will of God. God. And they win. Taken care of, yeah. They were taken care of. They were win. So that is what is so important to understand the will of God. And I wish people just got it early, especially young people. No? Go to God. Seek his face. Find his will. You see, primarily from the pulpit, we can only teach the general will mm. of God and how to seek and find the will of God. We cannot find it for somebody else. Even if you have a prophetic word, still you have to confirm it. Mm. The prophetic word is only a confirmation. You cannot run with it. What happens if two prophets come and say two different things? Who will you go with it if you do not know how to confirm which is true, which is false? So personally, you have to hear from it. You have to hear from it. And then you need to realize all the troubles associated with this is part of God's will for you. You look at the people, like specifically we know in the Bible, two young people, okay? Yeah, that keeps going. It's got to do with the remote. Yeah. Think about two young people. One is Joseph, one is David. Yeah, one is Joseph, and they're both teenagers. At 17, Joseph, 
gets to dreams. And that's God's will for him. Define. Clarity is in there because it will only unfold as you keep walking in it. But the will of God is clear that some point in your life, you're going to reign. David, as a young man, is called from the field. Samuel rises up, takes the horn, anoints him. Will of God is clear. You too have been anointed to rule. And after that, what happens is all hell breaks loose in both their lives. But you need to realize everything that is happening in their life is because of the will of God. It's the will of God. Okay. In Joseph's case, he doesn't make mistakes. But in David's case, he makes mistakes. But because though he makes mistakes, the will of God never bypasses him. It's still there. And God is still waiting for him to get back to it. He goes into Ziklag, 16 months is gone, wasted. But the minute he comes back, he finds God is waiting for him right over there. So you have to see, and you will realize, why does God's will find him immediately at Ziklag? Probably just a question of minutes or hours. After 16 months of darkness of silence ask this question always which you find david encouraged himself in the lord he called abiyadar bring the effort he inquired of the lord shall i go will i overtake and god says go you shall surely overtake and recover all if you ask the question why is it so clear and sure it's because that 16 months is the one thing about him he still walked in forgiveness mm-hmm. He had always shown mercy to King Saul, never sought to take vengeance. And therefore he heard. Therefore, well, Saul, the fellow who refuses to forgive, is not able to get anything out of God. And here David, who has walked in forgiveness, is able to hear everything from God and he recovers all. So God connects these two things in the Lord's prayer and he's telling that, you know, walk in forgiveness. You can have issues. Some issues can be settled. Some issues may not be settled. It's okay. You're all entitled to your own opinions. It's okay. In a home, then of course you're not able to settle an issue. Then you have to go with God's order. Okay, I'm making the decision. We go with it. If you're a wife, accept it and be cheerful about it. Okay. Or if you're a man, I don't like it, but I think yours is a better idea. We will go with it. Okay. You can settle issues, but you're going to harbor bitterness, these are no unforgiveness, then you will realize uh, that's what uh, Jonah is running in anger and upset and bitter. And he says, those who follow worthless idols, they forsake their own mercy. Mm. Forsake mercy. You know, the most worthless idol a person can pursue is unforgiveness. The worthless idol. It's an idol mm. because it consumes your mind. mind. You worship it day and night. It's an idol. But it consumes your mind and what happens? It's the most worthless idol because what happens? What are they forsaking? They're forsaking the mercy of God. Mm. Forsaking the prayer. And that's what the whole thing is this about. Okay. Yes, there are enemies. We have nothing to do with them. But when we fight our spiritual battles, when the enemy is being bound and the enemy is being destroyed by the power, by the powers of God, sometimes the effect is that their soldiers die on earth. Mm. Okay. So none of the prophets of Baal escape on Mount Carmel. Mm. 
none of the on the other hand the people all come back to god so we have to see very very carefully that otherwise sometimes what will happen we will show so much mercy to the wizard and the witch okay and we don't have to we don't even know them we don't know who they are where they are but we know they are very busy harming the body of christ so when we pray those prayers please don't misunderstand we are holding great anger and unforgiveness no it is a war yeah it's a war in the war uh, soldiers don't hate each other they don't eat it the indian soldier who's facing the pakistani soldier on the other hand no he doesn't even know there's no personal this thing over there it's a war that's it mm. it's a war you're fighting for your nation he's supposedly fighting for his nation and you know it's a war there's no personal grudge, grudge over there so in the same way we need to realize in spiritual warfare there is no personal grudge Okay. There's a zeal for the Lord. Yes. There's a zeal for the Lord. Who they are after? They're after my God's name. They're after His kingdom. They're after His will, and they're after His people. people yes. Therefore, I am against them. That's how you have to see. It's also in uh, in, uh, in Acts chapter 13 when uh, Paul is ministering to the Sergius Paulus. He looks at the Simon the sorcerer, mm. and he says, "You enemy of all righteousness." Even he just literally confronts him. He doesn't, even, he doesn't mince words. Uh, that is where but again all that cases are spirit led because yes, yes. Mm-hmm. others try to imitate it and it doesn't work but, because mm-hmm. they do not have the anointing or the power to handle that kind of situations no so that's where the holy spirit comes sometimes he just says shut up don't have to say anything sometimes he say confront mm-hmm. okay so that but principles are led over there that we do not have we cannot carry unforgiveness because if we carry we will be in trouble with our god and that's let's back let's have the second part of that question, question once yeah. again hepsi <coughs> yeah next yes so we are so familiar with this prayer okay now please don't get familiar with that prayer understand the precepts in that prayer the principles in that prayer there are two things about it one is that you don't worry about your daily bread understand hello his name know his will walk in his will the provision will be met don't let your relationship your horizontal relationship affect your vertical <coughs> relationship okay because what happens is you need mercy you need grace because there is a devourer there is a roaring lion looking whom he can devour mm-hmm. so what will happen is you will lose the power the grace of god to resist temptation mm-hmm. lead me not into temptation for deliver me from evil but if god is not speaking to you then who will lead you absolutely Who will lead you mm. so these are all put there in 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 point after point after point the devil will do his work he has the power to tempt us he has the power to tempt us to take us to evil and if we have to resist the devil we have to submit to god the bible says resist the devil he will flee from you know it doesn't say that it says submit to god and resist and this first part is submitting to god mm. submitting to god at his grace flows in and then we are able to have the discernment to see his temptation and we are able to tell no to him and we said no to him he he goes he goes that's how the daily battle so the fundamental block is this one is understanding the will of god for your life general specific and the second is walking in forgiveness because walking in forgiveness is huge paul says everybody left me in my first defense i don't hold it against them see whenever he points people out where he has issues it's got to do with the church it's never got to do with 
himself personal. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he said they have harmed my ministry, but not personal. He's not upset with anybody who beats him up or anything. He said that's all okay. But he says this one has done me great harm. That one has been. How did they harm him? They didn't beat him up, but they were blocks to the kingdom of God advancing. Then it becomes a major issue because now you are harming me primarily to harm God's sheep. Okay, that's how he looks at it. But he says, when everybody at my church abandoned him, he says, I'm okay. I don't hold it against him. Okay, when Stephen, when he's dying, also says, Lord, don't hold it against him. They don't know what they are doing. Okay, so you will see they walked in forgiveness and they see open heavens. Okay, because when you die also, you need the grace to die mm-hmm. as an overcomer. And what he is, he dies as an overcomer. That's a grace, very special grace. But why does he have that grace to die like an overcomer? Like Jesus died as an overcomer on the cross is because of forgiveness. His first statement is that I believe that is the statement that caused one sinner to repent and believe in him. He looked at him and says, wow. Okay, he seems to be the only person in control over here. Absolutely cool, calm, in control. And he's realized this is a king. Mm. No, this is a king. And when you come to the law kingdom, remember me. Okay, so that's how we have to look at it. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, when you said uh, that it, every person has to have a personal relationship with God because we're going into times of famine. No, when you look at the previous generation, I'm talking about the Christians who who went before us. They did not live in the kinds of the kind of times that we are living in. No, they did. In particular pockets of the every pocket of the world, there were all these times. Similar times have been going on for two thousand years. But but on the on see on now on it is affecting us. That is the only thing. Okay, it's affecting. But there are many countries where it doesn't affect you at all. See, it is going to personally affect at a worldwide level. It is coming, but it won't be the same worldwide level at every place. Every place. Okay, what I'm saying is this persecution of believers have been happening for 2,000 years. Yes. It never ceased in 2,000 years. It's been continuing. It's been continuing. It's been continuing. That's how it always has been. So, like, we may not face anything in this city, but there are many churches that face it in other cities, in other countries. So that has been continuing. Mm. But we are talking about preparing a people when that comes, what will you do? What will you do? It's basically, we are talking about about provision. Mm. Okay, we had we had an experience when the lockdown took place, and we saw that God unbelievably came through for us. Mm. Not only did He come for us, we had so much to help oh, others. Okay. Un- numerable number of people we could go out and help in the midst of the lockdown okay we look at it and we realize it's just god and his mercy okay because we were not giving because we are working and earning mm, yes. you know it was just provision was just coming mm. in to be given out and we could we could do it so that was a training ground for believers okay can you trust this is a season you have two things hit in suddenly one uh, pestilence has come Two, you cannot buy and sell yeah. during that season. Two were hit and will you come through the pestilence? Second, will you come through without, through the famine? And the fact of it is that those who learned, learned to come through both the pestilence and the famine. Okay. Hmm. And we were one of those upon whom God showed a lot of mercy came through untouched by the pestilence and we came untouched by the famine. Nobody in our church was died because of COVID. Hmm. 
except for one person. Nobody was vaccinated during that season. Nobody was mm-hmm. vaccinated. Everybody came through and nobody went hungry. Nobody went hungry. Okay, and God came through. And the church did not even have an offering coming in because there was no church gatherings mm-hmm. at all. But the church also came through. Everybody came through. And we could help so many people. Okay, so God was teaching us this is the way you need to go. Just need to go. This is the way you, when we are hearing every day around from the Christians, this one has died, that one has died, that's what they say. But we are coming through. We didn't have to, I as a pastor, if I look back during that, from that time till today, I as a pastor, I didn't have to bury anybody. The world is going through one of the biggest crises they have gone through, but we never had to go through. Okay, We just trusted God. I'm not saying we are better than mm. anybody. Okay, We just, the train was just on the rails. Exactly. It's as simple as that. Mm. This is the will of God for us as a church. And this is what we are called to do. We are not comparing ourselves with any other church because we don't know what God's purpose for them is. We know what our purpose is. So we are not judging anybody. And if you judge us, you will judge us wrongly. Because your purpose is not my purpose. My purpose is not your purpose. You may ask, why do you need to have ministry six days a week, seven days a week? You may not need it because that's not your purpose. But we may need it because that is our purpose. So we are being faithful to God's will for us. And in the process, he came and took care of us. He took care of us. Mm. So that's that's the main thing. And above all, we do not fear. Because we do not love our lives even unto death. death. That is the key thing. When the intimidation comes, it is basically intimidation, 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 intimidation. Mm. Yes, Pastor. Pastor, look at question number four again. It's again got to do with uh, the same struggles that people are going through. Uh, Would you agree, the more honest we are with God and we keep going back to Him to confess our sins, our shortcomings, the more lighter you become in your soul. You always sense there is a heavy burden lifted up when we pray together as a body of Christ three days a week. On the other hand, when you cry out to Jesus in your closet, you always tend to feel free and comforted by our Lord. We become more honest about what's going on in you, in your thoughts, intentions, and emotional reactions. Sometimes I notice I keep going back asking for forgiveness for the same things. Doubt, unbelief, admitting who is driving me crazy. Would you say that is wrong to go back and forth for the same forgiveness of sin? See, uh, uh, though it may look same, yes, can we go back there? Okay, yeah, it is, uh, it is not same. In the sense like, we'll always, we'll always struggle with doubt and unbelief if God is leading us. Because God doesn't lead people down, He leads us up. Okay, so up. So what happens is, yesterday's demand, let us say, if you let us put it in monetary terms so that we easier to understand. Mm-hmm. If yesterday's demand was 5K mm-hmm. and you struggled, you believed it came through, and then today's demand is 10K. Okay. The same it is, it, it, see, it, it is, it's not the same thing with the children of Israel. With the children of Israel, it was the same thing always. Okay. But with us, that is not like you're going into the battle gets more and more and more and more intense. So you will, 
you will struggle, okay? You will struggle, okay? So what happens is even Paul says, even I despaired of life itself, mm-hmm. okay? There are places where he says in a letter in Corinth and when they were uh, drifting in the ocean, they all gave hope, okay? Then the angel had to be sent to him. And you need to ask, so where is your faith, Paul? But have you been in a situation like that, isolated, floating in the ocean with no hope at all? And you yourself start questioning, yeah, God set me, you will stand before kings, and this will have stood before many kings. Maybe my end has come. Mm. Okay. When he was given that revelation, God did not specifically say, you will stand in the front of Caesar at the end, then only your end. Okay, he appealed to Caesar. But if you look at the original this thing, you will see there are, you know, you start doubting. Even the revelations you have received, mm-hmm. the dreams you have received, the prophecy you have received, you start doubting. You start doubting. But at the end of the day, your doubt does not cause you to be a reprobate. You're still following God. You're still loving God. Like, uh, you are in Cherith or you are in Zarephath. You are still in the will of God. You are still in the will of God. And you still do not know. Now what am I supposed to do next? Okay, you told me to go until until it comes from my mouth. There is going to be no rain or dew. Three and a half years have gone by. Okay. Now, what am I supposed to do? You're just sitting there, sitting there. You also start doubting. And then one day the word of the Lord comes. And what he hears is strange. Go, call all of Israel. And have this competition on the top. But okay, you get up and go. Then Jezebel threatens, he breaks. He breaks. You need to realize, you struggle through this. You struggle. Every day is a struggle. Okay? Because in heaven we will not face struggle. Because you don't need faith. Mm. Okay? It's when you are, let us say, if I were to say, Hepsi, get me that bottle of water. It's very easy for Hepsi to get the bottle of water, right? Now imagine it is midnight, power goes, absolutely dark. And then I say, Hepsi, get me a bottle of water. Suddenly she has to start factoring in her mind. I can't see anything. I need to realize where it is. I need to realize what are the obstacles on the way. I need to circumvent it, find the bottle, come through all the lights and the cameras, which are all off, (laughs) and reach it to pastor. Okay? That's the kind of life we are all. Sight is darkness. (laughs) Sight is darkness. (laughs) And faith is how we are called to walk. The problem is we live in the midst of a people who walk by sight. And they all seem to be happy. They all seem to be prospering. They all seem to have no troubles at all. This is exactly what Asaf struggled with. <laughs> he struggled with this. He's, he's a honest man, walking by faith, serving God. Nothing seems to be happening in his life. Happening in his life. All around the wicked seems to be perishing. And then he says, flourishing. Aunt, sorry, flourishing. But when he came to the house of the Lord, thank God he did not go to the house of the Lord where a prosperity preacher was preaching. He would have gone even more depressed. <laughs> okay. 
when he came to the house of the Lord, that's what I said, when Corinthians 15, 19 is talking about, if only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are the most miserable, pitiable of men. Why? Because a lot of things are going to happen in eternity. We, we may not even experience. If you take health and wealth and all has the general will of God for all his people, you're getting it wrong. Okay. Though I believe in health. Okay. I do believe in health. But my question is, if the will of God in my life to fulfill his purpose doesn't include, doesn't require too much money, then why do I need the money? Will that money actually help me or it will become a stumbling block? See, this is where the will of God comes in. Okay? Let us say, I've been called to be a rural pastor. Okay, a rural pastor. And God is going to send me into a remote, small little village where I'm going to have planned a small little church and I'm going to take care of 50 farmers and their families. Okay, let us not say 50, 25 families. And I will live there. I will also have my little farm and I will live there. Then what do I need for that? How much do I need for that? On the other hand, suddenly into my bank account, it's got nothing to do with God. Bill Gates sends me $2 million. Now, how is that the will of God for me? How is that the will of God for me? And how is that going to help me to fulfill? Then immediately the money has come in. I'm not seeking God. I'm presuming God has sent. Now I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to change my village. I'm going to change my village. Amen. You Actually, you know what? I can go absolutely outside the will of God. So that's what we are talking about. Everything that is the will of God for me, it has been provided for already in Christ Jesus. It has been taken care of. I just have to find it and follow it. It will come in his time. In his time. Of course, there is wisdom. You put away, you save. You do all that is part of wisdom. You're all part of wisdom because wisdom is part of life. God gives wisdom how to live. But here we are talking about faith. Okay, We are talking about faith. So that's where the struggle with humor. All our struggles is that we struggle with doubt. We struggle with uh, unbelief. And admit who's driving me crazy. Yes, people do drive you crazy. Do drive you crazy. Okay, let me give you an example so that tomorrow or whenever you listen, you will understand. We have this retreat going on or coming up. And there is a group into which the retreat is there. And uh, you, you post something and Nobody responds. Nobody responds. Now, as a pastor, I need to see that I work out transportation so that in the last minute, people will not shoot and come up and say, I have no transportation. No transportation. But the thing is that, I'm not saying finally people started responding, but it took them 24 hours for them to find out they need transportation. Okay. Now we are working out logistics. Logistics. You know what? So the Bible will say some people do drive you crazy. Huh? Drive you crazy. Okay. 
They do drive you crazy. But that's okay. These are all temporary things. That two days later, the retreat is over. You shouldn't be carrying over. This is the one who drove me crazy. No. It's over. It is done. And you take it to God. You take it to God. Okay, You take it to God. Don't see those people within your family, church, as your enemies. Mm. Don't see them as your enemies. Deal with the issues and keep moving on. And yes, you'll always have to go back to God and keep on confessing about your doubt and your unbelief. Lord, okay, you took care. Tomorrow seems to be a bigger struggle, Lord. Help me to believe. Help me to believe. Because the Bible says we have not gone this way before. No two days are the same. If you're walking in the will of God, no two days can be the same. The struggles, the battles will become more intense and you will struggle. Sometimes you will struggle. Like Elijah struggled and he cracked under pressure. He's doubting. I'm no better than my fathers. I just want to die. He says, take my life. I just want to die. After your highest point of victory, he breaks under pressure. And God understands. And I do believe so many in the new covenant also have broken under pressure. They just broke under pressure. Not that they lost their salvation. Just they broke and they said, that's it. I can't handle it anymore. I'm quitting. You give it to somebody else. I'm fine. I'm fine, Lord. Take it away. I don't want any of this thing anymore. I love you. I just want to be a regular member in the church. Don't ask too much from me. I can't handle it anymore. So many people quit. So this is a struggle. This is a struggle. Okay. But you will overcome that struggle only if you realize it's a race. And at the end of the race, there are unbelievable rewards. So if only in this life, no, we are looking at That's why I said Hebrews 11.35, the transition. The women received their dead back. Others did not. Why? They did not. Because they were looking for a better resurrection. Okay, So there are two resurrections. You get your dead back to life and they die again. And two, they die and they are resurrected on the other side. Okay, that is the trans, the 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 shifting point in Hebrews eleven. That is where the transition takes place, and it's a very important transition. Okay, and when that happens, you should know. You should know. And every jail Paul went in, he went in, he went in, he went in, he went in. He knew he would come out, but I guess at one point he realized this is my last day. I'm not going to come out of this jail. I'm going to come out of this jail. I'm going for my execution. And you would be upset. It's well with my soul. Peter also. It's time. It's coming. It's getting close. It's time for me to put my tent. Now he's not talking about a natural death. They are both talking about an execution. Now we can also get older and older and we'll realize with age, yeah, it's getting closer. I need to make peace with my savior. My body is deteriorating. The signs are all. You have cancer. It is will metastasis. I will go. It's none of this. They both knew. Anytime they're going to get executed because the Roman Empire, Nero is going after the Christians. So my time will come. And my time is close. And the Lord has already told me. That's what we are talking about. You know? so, so it is not wrong to go back forth and being honest with God with the same sin. Only thing that go back. Be honest with Him. Lord, I do struggle with unbelief. Do struggle with doubt. And Lord, some people drive me mad, but Lord, just bless them. I keep best with it. Pastor, there's another question. Uh, 
because of all this, <laughs> what is the purpose of life? <laughs> this is question number one. Okay. It says, I have a question. One of my kids asked me this question. What is the purpose of life? Christ did not give an answer to this question in its modern cynical form, which implies, is it worth living at all? Help me answer this question. The whole purpose of, of life is to love God and serve Him. That's it. Okay, serve Him. That's the whole purpose of life. Because that's what is going to be in eternity. Everybody is going to be with Him and they're going to serve Him. Okay, if you go to Revelation chapter 22. And, I love that. <laughs> okay, you can read from verse 1 onwards, on 1 to 5 if I'm right. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Yeah. Verse 2. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was a tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. So we still need healing. Okay. We still need healing. A lot of things that we need to be healed. But healing is progressive. We'll get more and more and more healed. But there shall be no more curse. Yeah, but I love that. Okay. Super, super. There shall be no more curse. We have come out of the curse of sin. That curse is gone. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face. His name shall be on their foreheads. And verse 5, there shall be no night there. No need for no lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. I have. This is my presumption. I could be right. could be wrong, too. When it's a presumption, you can be right or wrong. <laughs> that in the new covenant, uh, sorry, in the resurrected body, we won't need to sleep. Mm. Of course not. Mm. Okay. All those who sleep for 12 hours, you will be miserable. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> you will be missing that episode in your life, but I do believe because that body won't be weak, it will not know what tiredness is, it won't be sick, and since there is no night there, I guess there is no sleep there. Yeah. But sleep actually is only for this body, this body. the body of the humiliation. Yeah, the humiliated <laughs> body. Okay, that body of humiliation. You know? Because I do not know where. Adam and Eve slept mm. before the fall. And the Bible doesn't say. The first time it says when Adam slept is when he put him to sleep to take Eve out. Mm. It does not say Adam slept. He Maybe they slept. Maybe they did not sleep. Yes, there was day and night. But I do also believe the night was not like our night. I do believe in the creation because of no sin. The glory of God was all over the place. And they themselves were closed in glory. So I don't think there was night like we think of night now. It was light. There was light there. But when they sinned, I believe one of the first things they realized was the glory left. And when the glory mm. left, they realized they were naked. They were naked. Then they started covering up. Okay. I, I, I believe that's how it was. I could be wrong. It's okay. It's just a presumption again. This is not fundamental to salvation. <laughs> you can go wrong in those things. Are they still good? Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, there's one last question. So, mm. so like uh, as a young child said, find God. Ask Him. Ask Him. The mean. It's like, you know, Paul's two beautiful questions. He encounters Jesus and he asks, who are you? 
which is Jesus of Nazareth. Second question, he said, what do you want me to do? Mm. He found the answer to life. Everything he is doing is what God wants him to do. And you have what is called life has meaning, life has purpose, and life has its trials and tests, and therefore its victories. Mm. Mm. Okay. Suddenly purpose has come. Because if you don't bring eternity into the temporal, your life will lose its purpose. That's what you see with old people. They sit there. They don't know what to do. They do not know what to do. But old people who have found Christ and found his purpose, you will realize they, even in their old age, they're still bearing fruit. They're still bearing fruit. They may fare more tests in their old age, but suddenly they realize, you know what, I'm finishing well. I am finishing well. It's like Jacob and the old age, waking up and say, Joseph is dead, alive. He rises up and suddenly he finds purpose. Okay, it's a, it's a type of people who get saved in their old age. He's an old man now. And suddenly here Joseph is alive. Okay. And when he hears Joseph is alive, it says he rises up. Okay. Now for purpose has come. He's back on his groove. Hears from God. Goes to Beersheba. Hears from God. Goes there. He's in Egypt. He blesses the Pharaoh. Then he thinks he's retired. No, he's not retired. He's got a real living in this thing with God. He blesses Joseph's children. Then he blesses his prophesies over all his children and he dies. Okay, so he finishes well. Okay, that's what. So unless you find God and his will, you will not. That's why all the celebrities, so many of them committing suicide. You would ask, what is that they did not have? What is that they did not have? Okay, what is that he did not have? Okay, like you look, you look at, you look at people like that. They have money, they have fame. And they are miserable. They are miserable. The reason is, none of these things can, like the book of Ecclesiastes says, God has put eternity in our hearts. You cannot fill eternity with something that is temporary. It's simply not possible. How can you take the temporal and put it, uh, try to fill it with eternity? All the things in the world, let me ask you this question. When you read the book of Ecclesiastes, why is that in every chapter the refrain is empty, empty, empty? Why is that the refrain? Does every rich man say it is empty? No. Does every wise man say it is empty? No. Every man who sought pleasure say it is empty? No. He says empty because once he was a child of God. Therefore, children of God who have tasted and then they go on to the other side are the most miserable of people because you have tasted something that is real. And you are trying all these things. It will not make you happy. But there are plenty of kings in the world who lived like that. They were not empty. They just died like that. No, they died like that. But we try that, we'll be always miserable because the spirit of God in us will contend with us. Contend with our flesh and contend with the world. It will contend. It will, it will not leave us alone. Okay. That's why it is important. So find God, find, serve Him. Mm. Whatever you do as of now, general will do it unto the Lord and suddenly the specific will hit you. Okay. Yes, Pastor Vijay. We'll take the final question. Final question, question number two. Mm. 
since Pastor Vijay is a math genius, I'm trying to live by God's math. Whatever our gifts, education, or vocation may be, our calling is to do God's work on earth. Can we call it living out our faith for others, or call it or call it every Christian's day job? Our reluctance comes from getting our numbers right, but our arithmetic completely wrong. For example, when we are deciding that we that uh, deciding what size territory God has in mind for us, we keep an equation in our heart that adds up something like this: my abilities plus experience plus training. I have frustrating days. Almost every day in my profession, God's math would look more like my willingness and weakness plus God's will and supernatural power is equal to my expanding territory. Help me with this equation. <laughs> That's the way that you have to no, answer no. this. <laughs> <laughs> this is all math. <laughs> I like the way you put yeah. it. <laughs> my abilities plus experience plus training is <laughs> <Okay>. crossed out. <laughs> my willingness and weakness plus God's will and supernatural power. The thing is that... Uh, so who wrote this question? Who gave uh, this, this is an advocate. Ah. It's a very senior lawyer advocate in the high court, Supreme Court actually. Okay, so the question is, it's a very difficult place to be. Courts are a very difficult place to be because it is not a place where you receive justice. It's a place where justice is perverted. That's the problem. Mm. Okay, it's the problem. Okay. Because you cannot get true justice, almost impossible to get true justice from the court. Because true justice is based on truth. Mm. Nobody knows the truth exactly. except mm. God. Mm. Nobody knows the truth except God. And most of the justices sitting up there are not God's servants. They have an office which is from God, but they're not serving God. They're not serving God. They don't have the wisdom and the discernment like Solomon had to judge cases. Okay, judge cases when you talk about the judges in the book of Bible or Moses judging, okay, they were judging with the discernment given by God. That is not how now it takes place. Now it takes place is based on laws and the interpretation of laws. Oh, yep. Okay, and the judges sitting over there, I mean, you don't even you don't even know whether you will ever get justice. It can happen. So the simple thing is that if you are a believing lawyer and you are in the courthouse, even when you argue, when you do all these things, you still trust God to intervene. Intervene. You have to trust God for justice to come. You do your you, you do your best. Mm-hmm. You do your best for your client. You do your best for your client. But the spiritual battle cannot be negated. Your battle is not going to be won so much in the court. Your battle is going to be so much won in your prayer closet. Because hmm. you won. One case you may win so easily. Another case may take years. The reason is, in the first case, there may be no purpose of God. In the second case, there is a battle. Mm-hmm. Okay, One man prays here for Lord, give me my bread. He gets his bread in 10, 15 minutes. Another man prays, Lord, give me an understanding about this vision. And it takes 21 mm-hmm. days and there is a war going on over mm-hmm. there because while you will say, All right, this one should come in 15 minutes, this one might take a couple of days. On the other hand, this one comes so easily and this one is not coming. Because purpose is completely different. 
Absolutely different. One is absolutely bang in the middle of God's will and purpose for his generation and generations to come. There's a battle in the heavenly witchcraft and voodoo and you don't know what the devil has come. The principalities have come. Michael has to come. What is he basically asking? Think about what he is asking. Okay. He's just asking for a revelation. But the revelation he is asking for will touch multitudes and generations to come. And therefore, there is a battle over it in the spiritual side. If you think what is happening with Joseph, the devil is not involved. We haven't understood the story. The devil is involved. He has heard the dream. He has heard what this boy has spoken. Only thing devil always gets it wrong. Because the devil has heard the prophecy over the woman in the garden of Eden. The seed of the woman will crush your head. So he's all, that's why Genesis chapter 4, he sets up one brother against the other. So he knows Abel is dead, Cain is a murderer, so these two can't be. I'm out. Then comes a set. So down, 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 like he's watching, 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 and then finally he realizes it is Abraham. He gets it is Abraham. Then he's after Abraham and Abraham's seed. He is after Abraham. So everywhere he's working, he's working behind the seed by tempting this thing. So you have an Ishmael that causes trouble. Then there is an Isaac. Then there are two over there. So he creates a rift between two brothers. One brother wants to kill the others. He's still not sure. Okay, then he realizes when God speaks to Jacob, he realizes it is Jacob. Right? When God speaks to a man, he knows, okay, this is the guy. Because God is only speaking. So the line is coming. It's getting clearer for him. And as he realizes, and Jacob has how many children? His plans are not fully revealed to anybody. You know, even the devil cannot understand. So he goes after Joseph. He goes after Joseph. But through it all, God is working. Okay. He does not understand kind of roughly until Jacob prophesies over Judah. That's when he understands the scepter is going to come from Judah. Okay. But he still does not, because the cross is all a mystery. Everything is a mystery. It's not revealed over there. But you will realize, you will realize. So Israel has fallen, but Judah is still surviving. Years and years of Israel has gone into captivity. Judah is still surviving. Judah, Judah is going and then suddenly it's disappeared. Judah and Israel has disappeared. And the devil is sitting there thinking, okay, okay, so many hundreds of years have gone by. I have succeeded, I have succeeded, but quietly God is working. Nobody knows. The virgin is ready, Joseph is ready. And things are happening. And as soon as the child is born, trouble comes again. The trouble comes again. Okay? All the children are being killed. But he escapes. You cannot. You cannot kill God's purpose. It cannot be stopped. Like I said, there are certain sections of God's will. His predetermined will. Nobody can stop it. It's impossible for any man, any power, principality stop it. That Jesus will come, he'll be born, he will live, he will die, he will rise again, he will come back again. These things cannot be stopped. No power has to. So either you are with him or you are against him. If you are against him, you are done. If you are with him, good for you. So that's how it works. So when we look at it, like I said, sometimes you do not know results. You do not know when it will come. You do not know when it will come.
Okay, and one of the most difficult things in life is waiting. Have we preach and talk about 13 years, Joseph? But 13 years is 13 years. Mm. Okay, 13 years is 13 years. And you have to give hats off to him that he didn't crack. David cracked. He ran into Philistine once. He went and acted like a madman. And second time he went and served the king. He, he broke under pressure. Elijah broke. How long? How long? How long? How long? How long? Okay. We look at Paul. But we don't know about any other apostle. Did they crack? History says Peter cracked a couple of times. Right? In church in Galatia, he cracked with the believers. In the church in Rome, history says he cracked. And he was running away when Christ met him and said, where are you going? And he says, he asked, who are you? He says, Jesus, where are you going? I'm going to take your place. That's when they say he returned back. And he said, crucify me upside down. So these are stories. We do not know what it says. You know, We don't know about other apostles. But we have a pattern. Is it possible for man? Yes. Because Apostle Paul is put there as a pattern. It is possible. John is there as a pattern. Yeah. It is possible. possible. You can run. But we don't know much about Paul other than his island of Patmos. That one words. We don't know anything about him. What we know about but the Holy Spirit has inscribed is Apostle Paul's life. Why is it so? The book of Acts, the letters, we get to piece his life and story together is because he's a true pattern. Couldn't crack under pressure. Couldn't mm. crack under pressure. Because in the, you already have people who cracked in the Old Testament. In New Testament, you don't need people who crack. We are showing what is possible Possible. under the power of the Holy Spirit. So God is putting his servant, Apostle Paul, there as a pattern for us to follow. And he he gives the gory details of what this man has to go through. And he did not crack. He did not. You name it, he's gone through it all. Famine, hunger, wilderness, desert, city, town, beating, flogging, stoning, he's gone through. And he never cracked. Honestly, if you look through it, he never cracked. It was not, you never see him ever. He may lose hope of life, but he never turns back. Mm-hmm. Never turns back. Yeah. Never, never, give up, never, give up, give up, yeah. never turns back. Mm-hmm. So God put it. And it's a very important pattern. Because you know what? Otherwise we look at, of, of course, Jesus is the son of God. He was sinless. He was born without originals. We'll come with all kind of excuses when the simple question is, what about Paul? What do you have to say about him? So Paul is put there as a very, very powerful pattern by God. You know, If all scripture is, not if, all scripture is God breathed, then God put his pattern over there. I have given you a pattern in your own life. It is the pattern of Jesus, my son, and Paul, his servant. That's how we look at it. Mm, man. Yes. I think we should. I think it's done, Pastor, for the day. So we'll close for the day. Pastor, we will close with prayer. Father, we just want to thank you once again for this time. Thank you, Lord, for you are a good God. Lord, as long as we are in the center of your will, Lord, we know, Father, you are with us. Enable us all, Father, to reorient our mind, our thinking, our priorities. Seek your will and stay in it. Thank you, Father, for speaking to our hearts through all these questions. 
I pray, Father, that we will be established in truth. We will stand firm in faith and we will resist the devil. We will submit to God and we will resist the devil and he will flee from us. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let your word, Father, multiply and bring forth fruit in our lives. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.